0: Thank mm-hmm. you. going on everybody welcome in to a special edition of the daily energy newsbeat stand up here on this gorgeous saturday uh september 16th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas Texas. you here to bring you our weekly recap um for this week absolutely crazy show lined up iea dropped some crazy numbers you know, uh, Secretary Hope can't make it four states in an EV. Lots of great stuff. We appreciate you staying with us. We hope you're having a great weekend. As always, the stories and analysis you're about to hear are brought to you by the world's greatest website, EnergyNewsbeat.com. Appreciate you staying with us, interact with the show. Questions? EnergyNewsbeat.com. Subscribe to our uh, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or YouTube at Energy Newsbeat. Those are the best ways to support the show. Interact with us. Either way, hit the description below for all of the articles. I'm giving it up to the weekly recap and the team. We'll see you Monday, folks. Hey, let Let's start with Saudi Arabia and
1: Russia you know with I'm even do it without having an imitation of Putin today so I know you'll be thrilled by that hey okay. okay so here we here we are why are Saudi Arabia and Russia continuing with oil production cuts michael let's set the stage for a little bit of what just happened last week Last week, there was a continuation of the cuts. Extenuations last week from OPEC and OPEC Plus, despite, uh, let's see, $1 million for Saudi Arabia through the end of 2023 barrel per day. 1 million barrel per day cuts through the end of the year. Moscow's doing 300,000 barrels per day through the end of the year. Both said last week, those are going to be reviewed every month. And it, both of them in that article last week were a slap to Biden. So it was kind of like all of a sudden, wait a minute. Now there's an analysis coming out of Riyadh saying that there may be an underlying current, Michael, for continuing the reviewing. And we're going to get more information on that as we get rolling
0: along. But you mean the, rev- the revision downward? Yes. they. It, it, it,
1: this is all dependent on whether or not Biden toes the line. And if they are now trying to hit him in the head, there's more to this story coming
0: out. So you think this is all political? This is not a just pure financial move in order to strengthen what may or may not be a possible IPO of Saudi Aramco? As we've discussed on the show, at Ab- Aussie. absolutely
1: is what fifty billion in that new IPO or whatever yes, the break their
0: old record? No, be, yeah, break their old record of twenty five point nine,
1: right? And here's here's why that they're still going to keep that up. This is more of an affront to Biden because Biden is now. Let's take a look at what. Came out Janet Yellen three or four when she started uh, last year to do the SPR. Michael, she went mm. to China and asked China, "Can mm. we rip all of this oil out of the SPR?" They have no more oil out of the SPR to help reduce the prices. Well, guess what's happening? This is a punishment because now Biden's in a pickle. He can't replenish the SPR. He has no arrows to do before. Uh, The next election. Here's the next squirrel on this analysis, Michael. This we just had Russia is now reducing all of their refined products coming out of diesel. The EU and the Northeast are going to get hurt by diesel. All of this is back to Putin being mad at the U.S. All interesting.
0: It's it's really interesting and it it it's fascinating to me that on two levels you can make a decision. I mean it's it's the classic two birds one stone because I think you're I think we're both right on both accounts. I think your analysis is correct that um you know Saudi Arabia is probably trying to is not necessarily pumped with the Biden administration for for a variety of reasons. They probably want Trump back in office for a, a variety of reasons. But I also think there's definite some financial gains. I mean. Hundred dollar Brent oil makes an IPO of Saudi Aramco pretty attractive. So I think it's it's a case of both. They shelled out a lot of money in their Saudi investment funds, um, both on the soccer front. We've seen what they've done with the Live Golf merger, PGA. So if they ever is a time they need cash, it's now, and they see an opportunity to both hurt the Biden administration and make more money. It's as Michael Scott would say, win win win. Not for the U.S., though. Who gets hurt? You, the consumer, because gas prices are going up, up, up. And it's going to go up.
1: Michael, let me throw this financial piece at you. I want to ask your opinion on this. Uh, we have $7.6 in interest-bearing U.S. Uh, public debt will mature within a year. Hmm. Don't you think Saudi is looking at that knowing that we are going to be in financial squirrel fest coming up? Do you think that has anything to play with it? I personally think it does. But what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think I, I think they're you know, what, what's interesting is and and I when I was talking with, with somebody about this, this um, late last week is people always, you know, MBS should love in an ideal world. The Saudis should love a democratic regime because a democratic regime over the last 30 years has produced the largest spikes in oil prices and probably the majority of the oil wealth. That's existent. I mean, think about what oil was during the Bush administration, what oil was during the Trump administration. Oil was so low, Trump had to fly to West Texas to go on a rig to try to say that he supported the oil and gas business. There was like three rigs running at $20 oil. So yes, love me some Trump, don't get me wrong, but they're not great for oil prices. So there's that squirrel that goes into it is that normally you would think a You know, a you know, a Saudi regime would love a Democratic president, if only because the sentiment around a Democratic leadership is we're going to need less oil and a.k.a. prices go up. So it's very interesting on one hand where you would you, you like the Democratic administration if you're overseas or if you're in the Saudi government. And then you also don't for other reasons, because probably what Biden is doing that is causing MBS to not like him has it has nothing to do with oil and probably everything to do with a lot of what's going on, probably behind the scenes, black ops, all that stuff that I don't even want to get into. Nope. Neither do I. But you see what I mean? It's just, it's interesting. Absolutely.
1: And one of the things, Michael, that we always, that people are asking me about the advantage of it, Energy Newsbeat, is I look at all types of energy articles and there's a lot of back players behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And if you read one article, that's not the whole story. You got to read Did about thirty. You fight. Um, Western sanctions are failing. Surprise! EU imports more Russian gas, and China beats U.S. in the tech war. There's some interesting points in here. It 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 really is pointing out the number of countries under the EU, UN, or U.S. trade sanctions since 1960 through 1922. They really started kicking in under Trump. But boy, when Biden got in, it was like they have continued to weaponize it. Let's come in here here. Now, what happened under Trump's sanctions, Michael? Nothing. The U.S. Really. The US was now revered because he picked his battle. Mm. He did not just go uh, willy nilly out there and start throwing sanctions. He used mm. sanctions and targeted responses. And then if you take a look, China has the world's largest economy when you measure its GDP purchasing power, and Russia has the sixth biggest economy. Those two animals together are pretty crazy. Now, China is advancing technology despite our sanctions. Sanctions don't work. They're going to steal from us no matter what happens, Michael. Well, of course. I mean, they're the the largest
0: purveyor of intellectual property theft in the world. So I mean. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, and so Bloomberg now put out that the mate, uh, 60 pro is always Yahweh's first phone to use the most advanced Huawei. Uh, Should we go to Huawei
0: phones? Should energy Newsbeat go to Huawei phones? I'll go to a Tesla phone. I'm all in. Uh, I, I think Tesla phones would be great. Okay. Um, what do you think? What's that got to do with a Huawei phone? I ain't using it. <laughs> exactly. It, does, <laughs> it doesn't have a CCP chip in it. <laughs>
1: Uh, You know, I don't know that the Apple chip is any better than the CCP because I know that the Biden administration.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I would trust. I'm trusting Apple over Huawei. I'll just say. I rate family
1: called Jennifer Granholm's team for blocking a charging station spot for her national car. And Michael, there's two other stories that go along with this, but we're not going to even get into it. NPR. We know how they. NPR is, like, on your left hand, uh, way left, take your neighbor's hand, and that's how far left they are. They said it was a bad trip. They were even in Mm -hmm. in the next car. So here's what happened. They went on a four-day trip across part Mm -hmm. of the U.S. to try to prove a four-day trip from North Carolina to Tennessee was intended to draw attention to the billions of dollars the White House is pouring into green energy and clean cars. Oops. She pained this part. She painstakingly mapped out ahead of time to allow for charging. Well, they had staffers go along and park their cars in there, and a woman was pregnant in the heat trying to charge her car, and the
0: staffer said no, so she called the police. This is not—it's comical. It's—it's uh, it it's, it's comical that they fully understood. Hey, you know, it's just comical to think that. They understood the issue of, hey, we're going to have to go block these charging points because there's not enough. I mean, I know they're investing more in charging points, but it goes to show you the number of charging points needed to go long distances is so many. And
1: uh, NPR said we went up to charging stations. They were either broken, out of order or too expensive. And it was like, holy smokes, they shot. They did a Dick Cheney on themselves. She shot herself in the foot and the spray got Biden. Go figure that out. Oh, yeah, I, I don't was kidding. Where was the uh, mayor, Pete, during this, since this is transportation? Uh, maternity leave. Yeah, top climate scientist drops a bombshell. Wildfires caused by WEF arsonists, not global warming. I, th- I thought this was not a rumor, and, and I'll tell you why here in a sec. Uh, slaynews.com reports brown said editors at nature and science two of the most prestigious uh, scientific journals climate papers that support certain pre-approved narratives Um, when you sit back and take a look did you see the fires in canada uh, being as they were starting popping up all over canada and the helicopters were dropping napalm and I, I mean, that to me is, okay, wait a minute. How does that happen? And then you sit back and kind of go, he pointed out research proves 80% of wildfires are ignited by humans. Global change, climate change is happening and it's because of mankind's evil twin brother is going through and burning the place down. Brown admits that he has faked his own studies to get the papers published in big journals, prestigious journals, climate warming. Here's an example he gave climate warming increases, extreme daily wildfires in California. Michael, I was, I'm trying to get this wildfire expert guy on the podcast. i reached out to him. He has, he has investigated for the last seven years wildfires in California. Mm -hmm. three of 4,000 were set by uh, weather, by a lightning strike or something. Really? Three. And then he started describing things that were pretty frightening, that that of these three, the cars that were burnt in there shattered, the glass shattered. He Mm -hmm. said so many of the others were melted. What's the difference between shattered and melted?
0: A heat level right or an explosion
1: exactly it is exactly seventeen hundred degrees fahrenheit for a regular fire and how much twenty five hundred degrees for these other ones that were started by some mean go figure that out
0: yeah I'm just uh, I, I'm not. I, I, I find it interesting, one, that this guy admits to faking papers. It's also crazy. He made this other quote. I figure once you admit to faking papers, you might as well go so far as to say this. I love this quote. To put it bluntly, climate scientist or science has become less about understanding the complexities of the world and more about serving as a kind of Cassandra urgently warning the public about the dangers of climate change. However understandable this instinct may be, it distorts a great deal of climate science research, misinforms folks, and most importantly, makes practical solutions more difficult to achieve, which is what Bjorn Lundberg um, has talked about, who is one of my favorite speakers on this issue. So it makes the even economic solutions look horrible because you're not a good person. That is right now. This is
1: fire and fury. I, I've even showed this a few times over at, um, you know, Maui's. Maui was on the 8th. This was available on the 6th. I bought it on the 10th and it showed up on my doorstep on the 11th. How in the world do you get a book about a fire in print in Amazon, ready to go two days? And you know what's funny? They could sit back, Michael, and they go, um, sitting there and they go, the National Guard realized that there was trouble and they jumped to their cars and went and helped. That's not how the National Guard works. It was two weeks afterwards and they have to be appointed by the governor and say, go do this. There was nothing in here. They were wrong. If you're going to steal a a time machine, get it right.
0: So... so So in conclusion on that one, we hope former senior lecturer at John Hopkins, Patrick Brown, we appreciate his contribution, but. Um, as I mentioned, he'll probably be former senior lecturer at John Hopkins oh, yeah. here soon. We'd be remiss if we didn't quite talk about um the news out of <laughs> London today. BP boss Bernard Looney resigns after failing to reveal relationships with colleagues. Ooh, Stu, this is spicy. He resigns less than four years into his current tenure as CEO after he failed to fully disclose details of relationships with colleagues to give you an idea. The company had uh, said in a press release that Looney has disclosed, quote, a small number of historical relationships with colleagues prior to becoming a CEO that was revealed during a review last year triggered by information from an anonymous source. Ooh, Further allegations were recently made after and an investigation involving some external legal counsel is now ongoing. The quote out of BP, Stu, is Mr. Looney has infor- today informed the company that he now accepts he was not fully transparent in his previous disclosures."
1: Ooh, yikes. Not all is well over there. No, I think that we're going to put at the end of this show, Michael, the um, the prince saying uh, not the prince, but uh, the head of OPEC going, we are actually going to throw the press out so that we can be transparent without being transparent. Yep. This is exactly what he's
0: doing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Murray and uh, Anticlos, the company's CFO is going to head and run the business on an interim basis, but it doesn't look like they're actually going to give him the job. You know, re- remember he set out in 2020 as when he took over as CEO after really leading the upstream division in 2016 and holding various roles, BP all the way back to 1991. Um, He pledged for, uh, DPD will become a net zero company by 2050 or sooner, though they've walked back those pledges. Um, what he failed to disclose, Stu, he failed to disclose two things. One, these relationships. And two, that the fact that when he meant net zero company by 2050, he meant net zero profit by 2050, not necessarily <laughs> net carbon emissions and net salary for him, by the way, you know, because you know,
1: You know, you're such a forward thinking guy. When he came in, when you were producing that podcast uh, and he waved at the screen, you waved back at him and everything else like the puddle. And and you're sitting there kind of going like that. Did you go, hey, Looney, what's
0: your. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, don't go to that dinner tomorrow night. Don't go to that Christmas <laughs> party Don't do go to that dinner, Don't Don't to that the dinner baby Skip the Christmas party man Take the early flight Take the late night flight home Don't stay overnight You heard it here a second
1: Michael <laughs> Tanner is an absolute procrastinator
0: um, Prognosticator Thank What we you. need to do is this: need, We need to officially start the Stuart Turley For CEO of BP I think you would make it I think we oh. just start the campaign Get you out there in London We'll get you eating tea and crumpets I think you could turn it around I think I could.
1: Uh, the sad part is, if I don't know something, I'm going to call somebody up and go, "What is this?" <laughs> so,
0: what uh, what would be your first move as CEO of BP?
1: Uh, Pat Bernard on the back and kind of go, uh, "Hey, thanks. I appreciate the job." <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks for thanks for giving me a low bar to step over.
1: <laughs> oh, no kidding.
0: BIA this morning drops crude oil market report for September 2023. As I mentioned, the highlight beginning of the end of the fossil fuel era is approaching according to the IEA. They go ahead and actually put out a uh, an op-ed in the Financial Times. Fahit Briol. he's the IEA head. The quote is, the world is on the cusp of historic Turning point peaks for the three fossil fuels are a welcome sight. Interesting. The IEA, it's a welcome sight. The fossil fuels are going down. Interesting. And I get any money from Saudi? I'll tell you that much. Showing that the shift to a cleaner, more secure energy systems is speeding up, and that that effort avoids the worst effects of climate change. That are incoming. Let's go ahead and read the top line numbers. The world oil demand, according to the IEA, remains on track to grow by 2.2 million barrels per day in 2023, uh, to just below the record of 102 million at 101.8 million barrels per day in 2023, mainly led by a resurgence in Chinese consumption, uh, jet fuel and petrochemical feedstocks. China will dominate the overall increase to 101.8 or 102.8 million barrels per day. Um, And that's based on a below trend GDP growth. The extension of those output cuts by Russia and Saudi Arabia through the end of the year are going to have a substantial are going to lock in a substantial market deficit. What they don't tell you is that means prices are up. They just tell you there's a market deficit. They don't necessarily tell you prices are going to go up. We do know that Russian, uh, they also mentioned Russian oil export revenue surged by 1.8 billion to 17.1 billion in August uh, as higher prices have more than offset their lower shipments. even though they did ease exports by 150 uh. Thousand barrels per day to uh seven point two million barrels, um, which is again below their average. Shipments both to China and India slumped as well. Refining margins did hit eight month high as they did struggle again as refiners struggle to keep up with a lot of this demand. It's just really interesting though. Um, you know this, you know I think Fahit Brehold, this IEA head, I, I'd recommend reading this article on Energy News. he mainly talks about the sooner than expected peak for fossil fuels was primarily driven by the speculative growth the spectacular growth of clean energy and including solar panels and electric vehicles I mean what what data is he looking at this is just what I don't understand about the IEA what data are they looking at I I don't know because if you look around it's like oh where's Waldo on these solar panels where's Waldo on this EV adoption that we're all talking about we just talked about a few days ago Secretary Grahammwald can't even figure out how to take an EV from four state four states away and they have to you know Park and spot to make sure that there's enough charging ports so that she can get there on time. I I don't know what data this guy's looking at, but it's absolutely insane. You know, he did mention that this, that in order to, these projected declines are unfortunately nowhere near steep enough to put the world on path to limiting global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. This would require significant, stronger, and faster policy action by governments. So our friends at the IEA think we're all dead because oil and gas demand is going up, but. By 2030, you're going to be off it. And that's an oversimplification. We're not going to be off it by 2030. They're saying it's going to peak and then slowly start declining. I just say I doubt that.